Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast as always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcome you back to the show and race number two, the Styrian Grand Prix in the bag. And as expected, well at least from my point of view, Lewis Hamilton dominating at the Red Bull Ring for the second race of the year. Uh, Lewis of course uh, claiming on pole on the a very, very wet uh, Saturday qualifying session and then leading basically from start to finish on Sunday as well. So very, very impressive uh, from Lewis. You just had to know, you just had that feeling in the pit of your stomach that after such a difficult opening round at the Austrian Grand Prix at the same uh, Red Bull Ring last weekend, that uh, that Lewis would be looking to level the plane, playing field uh, somewhat. And uh, he certainly uh, did so in a dramatic uh, fashion uh, this past uh, Sunday afternoon. Anyways, uh, before we get into the show, let's just take a look uh, quickly at the um, the driver standings as it is. Well, actually, let's take a look now at the um, let, let's just go down the the results to uh, to P one through P ten. We're not going to go through the, the the whole list because unlike last week when we saw nine retirements uh, from the race, basically fifty percent of the, uh, the the field retired. It was um, only one real retirement uh, today uh, that was a result of uh, reliability problems, and that was uh, Esteban Ancon, who uh, retired on lap 25 as a result of a cooling issue. But of course, the the big, big story was on lap number one, the two Ferraris of Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc coming together, turn number three, Sebastian uh, retiring at the end of that lap uh, with a a damage, well, too much damage uh, to the rear of his car. He was uh, missing his entire rear wing. Uh, Charles going out for a couple more laps and then uh, retiring uh, about two or three laps uh, later. So a double DNF for the Scuderia the second time in several races. Uh, Remember in uh, Brazil last year, double DNF uh, when and the two drivers came together that uh, that time. But uh, compared to this time last week, uh, obviously uh, reliability, a lot less of an issue as we saw a, a week ago. And uh, well, it wasn't quite as exciting as dramatic, but there were some good moments in the race. But anyways, let's just go down the uh, the, the running order from uh, P1 to P10, all the point finishing uh, uh, places. Lewis Hamilton winning the race in uh, P1. Obviously, uh, Valtteri Bottas, his uh, teammate, claiming P number two. Uh, Max Verstappen in the Red Bull, claiming the third and final podium spot for Red Bull. His teammate Alex Albon, P4, and fifth was Lando Norris. Quite a good race from uh, Lando Norris. He was uh, kind of a little bit down to start the race, uh, but uh, managed to climb all the way up to P5. By the end, Sergio Perez in the first of the racing points in sixth. Lance Stroll in the second racing point in seventh. Danny Ricciardo in the sole Renault coming home in eighth. Carlos Sainz in ninth for McLaren, struggling on the top in his uh, second stint on the, uh, the the mediums, and then Danny Kvyat in the Alpha Tauri coming home in P10. So anyways, the Drivers' Championship, uh, it's looking interesting so far. In, uh, in first, we have uh, Valtteri Bottas, 43 points. Lewis Hamilton, not that far behind. He's uh, in second in the World Championship with 37. Lando Norris, <laughs> there's an unexpected uh, face to see. Anyways, Lando, good for him. In the McLaren, currently third in the Drivers' Championship with 26 points. Charles Leclerc in the in the in the Ferrari 18 points and that is a result of the uh, the P2 he had last week. Sergio Perez is a uh, fifth. You have uh, Max Verstappen, Max down there obviously quite a ways. I mean he had a good result uh, today but last week um, a tough opening round for uh, Red Bull and of course uh, both he and Alex Albon didn't finish the race last week. Carlos Sainz in the second to McLaren in seventh and then um, we have uh, Alex Albon in the second Red Bull eighth. Pierre Gasly in the Alpha Tauri and then Lance Stroll and rounding out the top 10 in the Drivers World Championship with six points. And the constructors, Mercedes, well, they're they're not quite running away with it yet, but uh, it's certainly looking that way after two races. Mercedes uh, taking uh, a lot of points out of the first two opening races of the season, 80 points in the constructors for them. That's basically doubling McLaren, of all people. They have 39 points. Red Bull are third with 27. Racing point fourth with 22 points. That looks very good for them, of course. Ferrari, top five in the constructors, only 19 points. Renault, six. Alpha Tauri, 
Alfa Romeo Ferrari uh, racing at the uh, in eighth place, Williams Mercedes, and then Haas in tenth. So um, both Williams and um, Haas have not scored a single world championship point thus far, but uh, early days yet. And well, they could have scored one last week, but just didn't quite work out. For uh, Nicholas Latifi, the, uh, the 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 rookie just missing out on the points in his very first Grand Prix. So yeah, well, let's talk a little bit uh, now about the race. A very dramatic uh, opening lap, and of course, well, let, let's just talk about it now because there, there there's a lot of drama uh, going on at uh, Ferrari. None of it uh, good. And again, it just goes to, to to show that they really have been their own worst enemies uh, in, in recent times, have they not? And and this was one of those incidents that was completely avoidable. I I don't really know what Charles Leclerc was thinking coming up the hill into uh, into turn three. Uh, Sebastian Vettel was in the middle of the track. Of course, there was a bit of an, an opening there, but he had to go around the corner, and there were a lot of cars there. And even if there was, uh, e- let, let's just face it, even if it was just Charles and Sebastian, just the way that uh, Charles. Uh, lunged forward there. He was never going to make that uh, that move stick. Anyways, he went up onto the curb, got a little bit airborne, and unfortunately, the uh, the rear end of Sebastian's car took the brunt of the uh, the, the 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 impact. And uh, it it was quite shocking to be quite honest, because uh, it didn't really uh, pick it up, or at least when I noticed it uh, watching on the uh, on the feed this morning. And it wasn't until just a couple of corners, several seconds later, that uh, you see a Ferrari minus a rear wing. And it was just, oh my gosh, well, who is that? And you see uh, immediately it was number five, Sebastian Vettel. And then the, re- the, the replays uh, coming up. I mean, to Charles's credit, I mean, after what was obviously not a very bright move on his behalf, he did, he did own it. He, 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 he was very, I, I think, uh, very sportsmanlike about it. I mean, he came out, I mean, you couldn't really blame Sebastian Vettel in that, uh, in that situation. I mean, he, he basically ended up uh, sandwiched, uh, between Charles and, uh, I'm not even sure off the top of my head, which other cars were, were beside him. I was, it's a bit irrelevant. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is he really didn't have anywhere to go, uh, at that point, uh, anyways. And, uh, really unfortunate because when you think about it, I mean, Charles has done extremely well in the first, uh, two and a bit years that he's been in, in Formula One. And we don't typically see him do things like that. Uh, it was a bit of a rash move, obviously, and uh, and it's doubly frustrating for Ferrari because they came to this uh, Grand Prix after having fast-tracked um, all the upgrades that they, they'd planned to introduce actually next week at the Hungarian Grand Prix. But after last week at the at the Austrian Grand Prix, they knew that they had a serious deficit in, in pace. I mean, they're just lacking in all areas of the car. And uh, n- not only were they miles behind Ferrari and Red Bull, who are their their two top rivals uh, and have been for obviously uh, many years, but to me last weekend, and I don't think this is a, a stretch. I mean, they were not only behind uh, the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, but also behind the um, the, uh, the 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 racing points, maybe the McLarens. Uh, so you know, they, they were not even a top three team. So, anyways, to their credit, I mean, they they really put in a, a sort of a Mercedes kind of effort to to, to really rush and you know implement or get these uh, new um and these new upgrades in the car finalized and then uh, sent out to the track and installed on the cars. And uh, I, I mean, which is uh, impressive to, to actually fast forward it and and and, and get the, uh, the, the updates ready in that uh, short amount of time. I mean, to shave a week off of that, uh, I think is extremely impressive. And some of the initial f- feedback, especially from uh, Sebastian Vettel after practice, saying that the car felt like it was much better, it felt like it had more pace. So it, it sounded like, at least initially, that the the upgrades that they had, uh, you know, designed and put on the car were actually working, and, and uh, the the car was becoming much more drivable. Unfortunately, they would have uh, had a lot more data to work with after the race uh, today, and, and and that would have been the real indication, the the real marker of how well these new upgrades had actually worked. But so. Uh, what with uh, I think Sebastian and uh, Charles combining for a total of about four or five laps uh, before they both retired from the race that uh, it just there's no data in, on, on race miles that they can actually take back and, and, and analyze and see what uh, you know what use they actually were, which I think is now a huge handicap uh, going into the the next uh, round of races, and uh, we're going to have to wait uh, another week to find out uh, whether or not uh, they they actually work. <laughs> and when you think about it, it completely wipes out all that hard work that that they actually did to, um, to 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 fast track these updates and get them on the car in time for the Styrian Grand Prix this weekend. So. 
So a disastrous weekend uh, for Ferrari and one, again, that uh, they'll want to forget as soon as possible. Anyways, uh, time here for a break on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And let's keep talking about uh, Ferrari because that was the the, the, the big uh, drama. Anyways, uh, so, uh, sorry, Mattia Bonato said, this is not the time to accuse the drivers in the clash between Sebastian Vettel and uh, Charles Leclerc at the, the, the Red Bull ring on uh, Saturday. Uh, sorry, pardon me, on Sunday. Anyways, uh, Bonato had to say after the race, quote, I don't think there's too much to say to the drivers. It is somehow a pain to conclude a race in such a way after only two laps. I think the worst conclusion on a very bad weekend somehow so difficult a weekend for us i think it's not uh, the time to look for responsibility or accuse it's time to work uh, united back home we've got the right people to progress as soon as possible end quote yeah well i i don't know i, I it might be kind of counterproductive it's this is clearly a team that's uh, struggling and if you look too i mean it, they didn't have a great uh, qualifying i mean sebastian barely squeaked into uh, into p sorry into q3 and then uh, his teammate uh, charles leclerc just uh, i mean he, he didn't uh, make it out of q2 obviously and it was just a uh, it just doesn't look good for them. I mean, they're they're just clearly struggling on uh, what is a uh, obviously a development of last year's car, and you can really tell that uh, they're they're struggling with it. I mean, if you go back to the um, you know what 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 happened uh, last uh, or with uh, qualifying, I mean, you look after uh, you, you have uh, Hamilton and uh, Verstappen on row one. You've got Carlos Sainz and Valtteri Bottas row two, Ocon and Albon on row three, Pierre Gasly, Danny Ricciardo row four, and then you have Lando Norris and Sebastian Vettel on. Uh, um, uh, on uh, row five. And then you had Charles Leclerc who qualified P10, sorry, P11. And then he's got a three place uh, grid penalty because uh, he was uh, judged to have impeded uh, Danny Kvyat. So it was just a, a very, very tough uh, weekend for them. And I really don't know. It's it's so hard to say where it's going wrong with them. And I mean, it just isn't right now. I mean, they've been struggling for a while. I mean, uh, 2019 certainly was a season to forget uh, for Ferrari, but uh, they, they just can't, really can't seem to, to be moving forward. And uh, and I think that must be a very, very frustrating thing. And I was thinking about it before the race, that if you're Sebastian Vettel, you must in a way be glad that this is uh, your last year at Ferrari. I mean, obviously, I think he had... Uh, and still does has bigger aspirations and goals there. I mean, who to who wouldn't want to win a world championship uh, driving uh, for Ferrari, which is one of the most iconic racing uh, marks in the entire world. So, I mean, certainly in Formula One. And I mean, it looks a little bit strange uh, when you notice and they, they they remarked about it on the Sky Sports uh, feed, uh, Crofty and uh, Martin Brundle, that it just didn't look the same without uh, seeing the Ferraris out there. And, and it certainly does. I mean, obviously, it would have been a bit of a stretch uh, for them to be uh, competing for podiums uh, today. I mean, just uh, obviously lacking in pace, but... Uh, I mean, obviously, I guess you could say that uh, that that they would have been in the points, but I don't think um, it's in Ferrari's DNA or in their makeup to say that uh, they're going to uh, compete in in Formula One just to compete for the points. I mean, they're for they're there for wins. They're there for world championships, and uh, certainly the the wins and championships have been uh, pretty thin in uh, in, in recent uh, memory. Anyways, um, Charles Leclerc, like I said, he he did own that and take a full uh, responsibility, and, and Charles. Uh, 
this was, I, I think, um, it reminded me a lot after, uh, you know, the, the the tone that he had after crashing and qualifying at uh, Baku last year when you have that little tight, uh, twisty uh, chicane around the back of the track just by the, the, the castle there on the Baku City Circuit. And um, Charles, he tends to beat himself up a little bit when, when, when he really owns something and takes a responsibility for it. And like I say, I, I give him credit for that. I, I mean, I, I don't uh, really, I'm disappointed. I think that's the best way to put it. I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in in the move that he tried to make from a guy that, although he's young, um, he should know better. I mean, he he really is an incredibly talented driver. I, I you know I I really don't know obviously what was going through his head. It might have been a bit of a frustration. I mean, I think obviously there's a, a lot of it is just to instinct that these guys see an opening and they're going to try and dive in, but. Like I say, I, w- I was disappointed and frustrated more than uh, anything else uh, by, by by Charles's actions. Anyways, he had to say uh, in, in the interview during the race, quote, obviously excuses are not enough in times like this. I'm just disappointed in myself. I've done a very bad job today. I've let the team down. I can only be sorry, even though that it's not enough. Uh, I hope I'll learn from this and we can come back stronger from the next races. We don't need that. The team doesn't need that. I put all the efforts in the team in the bin. I'm very sorry, but uh, it's not enough again. Uh, um, end quote. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't really say much more than that. And uh, obviously, it um, it's frustrating because uh, Bonato, after the, uh, the the qualifying on uh, Saturday, he had to say that it's uh, the, the results that they've been getting are just, quote, not good enough for a team named Ferrari, end quote. And uh, absolutely, that uh, when you have a team that's got this much experience in racing, <laughs> has this much money uh, to work with, I mean, it's basically sky's the limit and has been for a, a long time, of course going to be a little bit uh, different as we go into the the, the the cost cap era in Formula 1. Uh, you really have to think with, uh, with with everything that they have at their disposal and the, and the fact that th- it shouldn't be an issue to recruit the right people for that team, you know, be it engineers, be it drivers, be it race personnel, what, whatever. I mean, who wouldn't want to work in, in, in that environment? I mean, I, I think anybody would jump at the opportunity to uh, participate and be a member of that team. So that, that's one thing that I always really find um, you know quite mind-boggling uh, when you see. I mean, to a certain extent, I think you can uh, expect maybe uh, seeing teams like Williams, maybe uh, uh, McLaren struggling a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, teams that have been uh, successful in the past, but maybe don't have the resources and uh, the, the 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 budget uh, that uh, a team like Mercedes or Ferrari have. But still, I mean, uh, when you see that uh, a, a team like McLaren, who on paper have a lot less to work with in, in, in this era of uh, Formula One, and we all know how successful that uh, McLaren has been as a, a manufacturer and, a, and as a race winner and as a, a team that's uh, won multiple World Drivers' Championships and Constructors' Championships uh, through the years. We're seeing that progression uh, you know, moving forward. I mean, we see a couple of years ago where they were with Honda. Obviously, that was about the lowest of the low, but slowly but surely, they put uh, the, the, the right people in place. And getting, and I think that really starts with the, with, with Zach Brown. You know, getting Zach in there, and him uh, really going through and identifying what what the issues were, and and slowly but surely getting the right people and and, and putting those people in, in in the right jobs. And you're seeing that slowly turning around. I mean, you look right now, and I, I know this is a different year. I mean, the, the, this COVID world that we live in, everything's been flipped upside down. Nothing has been untouched, and obviously, Formula One has felt those effects as well. But still, I mean. That being said, I mean that doesn't take away from the results uh, on on the track. I mean Lando Norris doing a great job. Carlos Sainz has had his moments in the first couple of races as well, and uh, that that's why it is uh, you know it is all that much more mind boggling to see a team like uh, Ferrari struggling. Anyways, um, after qualifying on Saturday, uh, Bonato had to say, "quote A really disappointing day. We have to accept that the stopwatch doesn't ever lie." And the two qualifying sessions, albeit in different conditions, we have not been competitive not only against those who have been our closest rivals over the past few years, but against others who up to yesterday were generally behind us. We worked very hard to bring the updates to the car earlier than planned, but they didn't show their worth on the track. We have to work out why and change the state of affairs, which is just not good enough for a team by the name of Ferrari. We mustn't get head up about it, but we cannot ignore the facts, end quote. 
Yeah. I mean, what else can you really, uh, you know, really add to that when, uh, when the team principal of Ferrari himself, you know, openly admits that not only are they not in a good enough position to challenge their, their closest or who have been their closest rival over the past uh, several years in, uh, sorry, Mercedes and, uh, and Red Bull, but now they are behind the teams that used to be behind them on the grid. I mean, who, whoever expected, uh, you know, last year, even though Ferrari were having issues, you still had the feeling that they probably had something in them that uh, that they would they would win some races in 2019 it may not have been as many had been the year before in previous years because they just obviously looked off the pace compared to Mercedes uh, almost right off of the start but still you had the feeling that uh, that they might sneak a couple of wins wins here or there even though they might not uh, ultimately compete for the championships and this year I mean that, that, that's just not on I mean uh, the, the the car is clearly not uh, good enough the power unit clearly not good enough and uh, it must be uh, completely frustrating for the for, for the two drivers and uh, that's why I think uh, you know that, that if you're in Sebastian Vettel even though for you might be in your last year at Ferrari just go out and and just you can just go out and race for yourself I mean there, I think there's very little uh, pressure now even though that his uh, goal to win a world championship with them is uh, that that window is shut that our opportunity is is gone barring something drastic happening and I think that's uh, extremely doubtful uh, from what we've seen uh, so far but still if you're Sebastian Vettel, maybe you can just go out and just race for yourself and trying to maybe have a little bit of fun while you're out there uh, doing your job. But maybe that's just uh, my simple way of uh, looking at it. But uh, just uh, again, when when you see something, when it's going wrong in a team, and and this is again something that just kind of um, boggles my mind. So uh, this was an article I noticed uh, pop up on uh, motorsport.com and uh, the the, the lead is uh, Leclerc Vettel know they were wrong to disobey protocols. And um, so the, the article goes on to say that uh, this, uh, Mattia Bonato uh, talking about uh, the, the, both the drivers uh, understand that they've done something wrong after they were warned by the FAA that they'd uh, broken COVID-19 uh, protocols. Uh, Charles Leclerc earlier this week uh, received a letter from the FAA after he was uh, pictured uh, out on social media with fans and people uh, between the, uh, the, the the two races at the Red Bull ring uh, last weekend. This weekend, he went back to Monaco where he lives. Um, Valtteri Bottas uh, did the same thing, but uh, you know the, the difference was, I think, uh, that with, with Charles, he was out there posing for pictures uh, with people, not observing social distancing, not wearing a mask and all those things that uh, he should be doing. Um, which probably isn't the wisest thing if, uh, you know, regardless what you're doing or, or what your job is at this point in time. But when you're doing the job, like uh, you have, uh, you know, you're in Formula One, you're supposed to be observing all these things, you know, that that's part of your job. I mean, it's it's not just a safety and a health issue, but it's also, you know, an occupational uh, issue. Like the, the FAA came up with this very, you know, this very, uh, you know, I can't say foolproof, but a very uh, well thought out plan to really try and contain things and, and minimize the, um, the, the the contact between drivers, between the teams, between uh, you know the Formula One. Uh, paddock and uh, the, the the outside world to, to try and keep people healthy so they can get through and get as many races done this year as uh, as may be possible be, be that uh, 10 or 12 or 15 18 which is the goal which still uh, remains to be uh, you know seen whether that happens or not but so that's one thing. Uh, then Vettel was uh, seen over the weekend. He was uh, cautioned because he was seen uh, talking to uh, Helmut Marko and Christian Horner of Red Bull. Um, of course, they're, you know, I mean, Formula One is obviously a small, uh, small world, but uh, Seb obviously won four world championships with uh, Red Bull. So obviously he knows these guys. But anyways, the, the, the point was neither Marco or uh, Seb or Horner were wearing masks and, and, and not really um, you know, observing uh, social distancing. And, and, and that was a brief of the strict what they call the bubble requirements uh, to keep uh, the, the the teams apart I, I think that Seb's that transgression at least in my uh, you know my eyes is, is slightly less uh, egregious than Charles because you know he's, he's just interacting with the people in, in the pits in the paddock I mean still it's a, a breach of the protocols but maybe not quite as bad as going out and, and, and mixing with people that that haven't been uh, under those uh, those same conditions but still when when it comes to something like this 
this. And that to me seems to be like a management uh, thing. And, and and that's, I think, where, where my big questions are with the Ferrari right now. Where is the leadership in it? And I think that's really what it comes down to that if, uh, you know, the, the, the guys on your team cannot, uh, are not following something like the, you know, the, the health and safety protocols, which everybody's uh, supposed to adhere to, then to me, that's a management issue. That, that That's a personnel issue. And if you're having those sorts of things that the, the, the people that are working your organization aren't following those, then maybe it's not such a big surprise that you're you're seeing things like uh, you know the, the coming together that uh, Leclerc and Vettel had on the track. Maybe it's not such a big surprise that uh, you you see some of the blunders that they make when it comes to uh, racecraft and 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 to strategies. And then maybe it's not a surprise that the the design on the cars and 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 the, the cars that they're building just aren't to scratch uh, up to scratch and they're, they're they're falling behind their rivals. Maybe that uh, you know the leadership at Ferrari is a bigger issue than, than, than maybe we've really questioned or thought about to, to, to this point in time, but it really does. Uh, I mean, my eyebrows, so to speak, are raised <laughs> for many reasons, but certainly when I see things like that, uh, when it's more of like a, a personnel issue, when it's people's behavior, then it kind of really makes me wonder about the, uh, the, the, the leadership and, and, and how people are being managed uh, with it within the team. And I think maybe that is something that we need to, to take a look at uh, going forward and, and keep a, a closer eye on it. Anyways, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show here. Styrian Grand Prix wrap-up show. And again, Lewis Hamilton winning this one, leading home his uh, teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas, uh, Max Verstappen in uh, in P3. And I, I think it's a little bit uh, almost an unfair-looking result if uh, you're, you're Max uh, Verstappen. Uh, Max, I think he did the best that he, he possibly could. He, I think that he obviously uh, did not have the pace uh, compared to his, uh, his his rival in Lewis Hamilton, but I mean, he was there thereabouts. I think it was it must have been so frustrating for Max in the car, just to looking up the road and, and seeing that Lewis was only four or five seconds ahead. I mean, just close, you know, just at arm's length, and just knowing that he did not have the pace in his Red Bull uh, today. I mean, if you look at um, uh, Lewis after seventy one laps, leading his teammate uh, Valtteri Bottas home by uh, thirteen point seven seconds, Max thirty three point seven seconds uh, off uh, first place. And I think that's a little bit uh, misleading because, uh, you know, when Max goes in for this uh, this late pit stop uh, to change his tires, I mean, he said uh, in, in the laps uh, running up uh, to the, the point where he was overtaken uh, by Valtteri Bottas, he was complaining about the drivability of the car coming out of turn three, going into that back straightaway there. That was one thing he was complaining about. He had uh, damage to his right front uh, end plate uh, on the car, on the front wing. That was another thing that, that he had a, an issue with, but still, I I mean, he had enough pit or sorry, pace after the, 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 the pit stops that, uh, that, that he was ahead of Valtteri Bottas. I mean, Bottas was a, was a little bit faster and it looked at some point that he'd uh, be able to, to, to catch up to Max at one point, it was going to be about uh, 10 or so laps uh, from the end of the race that that was the, you know, the, the projection that came on the TV. Then there was another, um, uh, communication that, uh, from his race engineer that uh, he would catch Max on the very last lap. As it turned out, he caught Max, uh, you know, much sooner than that. And, uh, well, I mean, all credit to Max. I mean, he did what he could and it was really quite exciting. I mean, uh, Bottas trying to pass him at turn three, which is a, you know, a real popular place. And then, uh, trying to pass Max into turn four, going down the, you know, down into the hill there. And then, you know, Max fighting back and, uh, both of them going wheel to wheel through turns, uh, five and then, uh, into turn six. I mean, eventually, uh, Bottas, uh, did get him the, 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 the very next lap. But I mean, it, it was funny because we were commenting, uh, during the race while we were watching. It's like, well, can uh, can Max really hold on for four or five laps until the end of the race? And then I think the uh, <laughs> the conclusion we reached uh, watching the, the the race at that point was well, if there's anybody on ragged tires that can hold off uh, somebody for four or five laps, it would be Max uh, Verstappen. Unfortunately, 
he just uh, didn't have anything uh, really uh, left at that point. And, uh, you know, he, he did have a, uh, a free pit stop uh, because uh, his uh, teammate uh, Alex Albon was, uh, you know, quite uh, quite a ways back at uh, at him at, the, at that point. And we did see a flurry of cars, you know, come in right at uh, the, the, the very end of the race there to change uh, tires uh, and attempt to try and get the, uh, the, the fastest lap of the of the race and get that uh, single point as it was it was a uh, it was a uh, Carlos Sainz who set the, the the fastest lap of the race on uh, on lap 68 and that was a 105.6 uh, Max Verstappen at the second fast of the lap uh, on the penultimate lap he set a 106.145 and then uh, Lewis Hamilton because uh, there's a whole slew of uh, fastest times within the last uh, uh, five to ten laps or so. Anyways, uh, Lewis set a time of uh, on lap 68 of 106.719 and uh, Sergio Perez he, uh, he 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 went in for a late uh, pit stop as well. Had a bit of a coming together. I mean, Sergio, I think, uh, really showed some decent pace uh, during the race uh, and uh, today, both of the, uh, the, the the racing points. Anyways, uh, Perez's uh, fastest uh, time was uh, a 107.188 and he set that on uh, lap 68 as well so it was uh it, it was some good stuff there but uh, ultimately uh it was Carlos Sainz uh, getting that uh, single point uh, for the fastest lap of uh, the race anyways uh, talking about uh, racing point uh, Renault has lodged a, a a complaint a protest against um, the team formerly known as Force India and next year will be known as Aston Martin and uh, this comes after they basically fought each other all day long and um, anyways uh, Renault protested uh, the racing points car after they uh, finished in uh, places of uh, P6 and P7. And uh, anyways, uh, this is uh, just an ongoing thing uh, just uh, about this, uh, you know, the, the, the pink Mercedes debate that's been going on uh, for a long time. And uh, anyways, uh, Renault, is, uh, the basis of their protest is that Racing Point has breached the rules by not using a design that has been fully created of uh, by themselves. And uh, they're referring to Article 1 of Appendix 6 of the, uh, the sporting regulations, which states, quote, a competitor shall, in respect of the listed parts to be used... In in a car in Formula One only use listed parts which are designed by it, end quote. So anyways, uh, Renault went on to say that Racing Point had not retained uh, what they said, quote, the exclusive right to use the listed parts in Formula One so long as it competes in Formula One, end quote. And then uh, it also alleged that uh, copying the, the the Mercedes concept on the W10 from last year had breached the rules that uh, required uh, what they said, uh, the outsourcing of design such a third party shall not be a competitor or party that directly or indirectly designs listed parts for any competitor so uh, it gets a, a little bit into into the weeds there but anyways the stewards have actually accepted uh, this uh, this protest by Renault as uh, admissible and uh, they're going to to rule upon it at uh, after I guess they gather evidence and review it and uh, decide uh, ultimately what's uh, what's going on there so uh, this gets into, like I said, this really gets into the fine print in the sporting regulations uh, relating to the listed parts, which can and cannot be shared between uh, the teams. So they are now specifically looking at the front and rear brake ducts uh, used uh, on the uh, the Racing Point RP20, uh, which uh, Renault, I think, are, are too similar and much more similar uh, to those uh, used on last year's uh, Mercedes W10 than uh, that are permitted uh, within the rules. So Anyways, who who knows? <laughs> they're they're going to take a look at that and, and see whether or not uh, this is uh, you know th- this actually uh, is going to go anywhere. And if they you know get disqualified uh, or whatever whatever the ruling may be, if uh, if they're found to have actually uh, copied a Mercedes on that, uh, we'll, we'll find out at the time. But this has been coming for some time and i'm not ultimately too surprised i mean uh, you did see them uh, scrapping with uh, with uh, reno uh, with with danny ricardo for you know a good portion of the race i mean it was good to watch um but you know th- this is something that uh, we'll have to keep an eye on over the the, the coming weeks and hopefully not months uh, before they uh, they, they uh, make a ruling on that Anyways, uh, Racing Point driver Lance Stroll said that uh, the the RP20 debatably is the second fastest car in Formula One. Um, and and you are, honestly, it's hard to argue that. I mean, they've done pretty good the past, uh, you know, the, the first two races of the year. I mean, they, they've been a little bit nowhere for the past uh, year or so. I mean, all, all credit to Lauren Stroll coming in there in, in 2018, halfway through the year with his uh, group of investors and uh, and rescuing that team and, uh, and, and, and rebranding them and, uh, you know, rescuing 
rescuing the Force India. And 2018, you could actually see a, a, a big difference once they got that uh, injection of uh, cash halfway through the year. It really did uh, make a difference. Uh, you could see that the cars had, I mean, they weren't going to be really up in the points or competing for podiums or anything like that. But you did notice uh, more pace and the, the, they looked more you know, racy second half of 2018. Last year, a, a bit of a, an in-between year. And it was a first year under new management, if you want to call it that. But uh, this year, you're starting to see that. And it was interesting, too. I think on Sky Sports, they were talking about it uh, during the race today, that uh, they, they thought that the uh, the the idea to uh, borrow heavily of the concept of the the, the W10 from last year was uh, what I think they, I'm not sure if it was David Croft or if it was Martin Brundle, who actually said it was a stroke of genius to play in that, uh, that gray area of the regs uh, between now and the introduction of the, the the new regs in 2022 and and, and base their design off of a design uh, you know previously used by Mercedes that was uh, you know very very successful and I was thinking too um, you know it, it reminded me a lot uh, going back uh, well <laughs> more years than I care to remember, you know, 25 uh, to be uh, exact, uh, way back to uh, 1995 when you had the, the Benetton B195 and the Ligier JS41. And um, you go, just Google it, go go take a look, uh, Google, uh, you know, JS41 and, uh, and, and Benetton B195. And they are two very, very similar looking cars, not identical, but uh, there, there are you know, many similarities uh, between the two. But uh, it was interesting, uh, at that point, uh, Ligier was partially owned by Flavio Briatore, who was the uh, the team principal at uh, at Benetton uh, at that time. And that was um, when Michael Schumacher was just you know, be establishing himself as a rock star, uh, as a legitimate, uh, you know, top driver in Formula One. Won his, uh, you know, won his uh, first couple of world championships with Benetton and then won a bunch more with uh, Ferrari. But uh, it, it is interesting. So, so go check it out. Uh, ultimately, I think uh, they, they ruled that there was enough of a difference uh, between them, but I, I think that uh, for, for those that uh, maybe had uh, were, were not quite as up on uh, Formula One of those two teams at the time, if you'd switch, uh, you know, the you know the, the, the paint jobs and the, the stickers and the sponsors on both of them, switch them around, a lot of people probably wouldn't have noticed. And uh, also what I think is uh, interesting, uh, that uh, you had the two uh, Sky Sports commentators uh, talking about how they thought it was a stroke of genius of, uh, re- uh, sorry, uh, Racing Point uh, copying the, the the Mercedes W10 from uh, last year. Uh, that uh, the the one driver that was driving the clone uh, Ligier, the, the the clone of the Benetton, I guess you could say, was none other than. Martin Brundle. So there you go. <laughs> Just one of those interesting little tidbits. So uh, moving ahead now, um, let's talk a little bit uh, about um, uh, Mercedes now as we start to wind down the show. So Val- uh, Valtteri Bottas said that his uh, second place at the Styrian Grand Prix was damage limitation and uh, in, in seeing his uh, lead in the, the, the championship uh, eroded a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to be convinced uh, after a couple more races whether or not uh, this is actually a thing. I know that uh, it, it may ultimately come down to one of these two drivers uh, from Mercedes winning this championship, as you know, usually is the case, right? But right now, I, I'm not convinced uh, totally that uh, Valtteri Bottas is a legitimate uh, threat to, to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, Lewis today was uh, he was untouchable. I mean, it, he, he threw down some extremely good laps and qualifying in the rain on Saturday, and uh, during the race today, I mean, he was just uh, miles ahead of uh, everyone. I mean, uh, if uh, I mean, you just look at the end of the race. I mean, he was 13.7 seconds ahead of uh, of his teammate. And and last week, I mean, all, all credit to Valtteri Bottas. I mean, he did very, very good uh, last week to win the Austrian Grand Prix. But I, I'm just wondering, okay, well, we're, we're going to have to see a bigger sample than two races because you go back to last year, uh, Bottas came flying out in the very first race of the year at uh, in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, he was uh, the same thing. I mean, he, he, was, he dominated uh, his teammate uh, during that race, but um, soon after that, Lewis hit his stride, and then he never really uh, looked back. So, if uh, if Bottas is going to uh, you know mount a more serious uh, champ or a threat in the World Championship uh, this year to Lewis Hamilton, it's it's, it's going to take a couple more uh, races uh, for me to uh, to to be convinced. I mean, he's had a P one and a P two uh, to to finish, whereas uh, Lewis uh, struggled last week, got a penalty, you know, ended up. Uh, 
you know, off of the podium. So it, it was not a good, last weekend was not a good <laughs> day or good, a whole good weekend at the office with, with all the, uh, the, the issues that he had. And we had the, the, the coming together with, uh, with, uh, with Alex Albon that he got a five second time penalty for. He had the grid penalty awarded to him, um, because, uh, he was uh, found to have, uh, you know, he, he didn't lift after the, the, the yellow flags were uh, being uh, waved after his teammate went off in Q3. So it, it was, it was just one of those, uh, frustrating, uh, weekends, uh, that, that happened and doesn't happen to, to a guy like Lewis Hamilton, uh, too often, but still, like I say, Bottas may be legitimate, uh, world championship threat this year, but I'm going to have to see some more from him over the next, uh, couple of races, uh, before I, I really, uh, I feel like that's the case. Anyways, uh, Mercedes feel like they've made a solid step forward uh, over the past uh, several days and the problems that they've been having with the, their their gearbox. And um, well, and obviously it wasn't an issue today. And uh, th- that is one of those things that, uh, that, that, that I think is interesting. It seems every time that they have an issue like this, that they're struggling with the car mechanically or whatever it might be, that uh, they, they do find a way to... Yeah, to sort it out and they, they just really buckle down and focus on, on what the issue is. And then more often than not, they seem to sort it out uh, pretty quick. So, uh, it, it certainly seems that even though it was a big issue less than a week ago, that, uh, they, they've really dramatically made the, uh, the, the improvements on the car, uh, to, to, to really sort it out. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, maybe a week ago, their rivals were maybe looking at that with a, a little bit of, uh, a, a bit of their twinkle in their eye and maybe rubbing their hands. Uh, somewhat uh, expectantly is like, oh, maybe they do have a bit of a, a weakness in their armor that these guys aren't, aren't perfect. And it must be a little bit uh, defeating to think that even though they, they show an, an obvious weakness uh, like they did at the Austrian Grand Prix that was uh, quickly sorted out. Or if it's not sorted out, certainly uh, going in that uh, direction. Anyways, uh, Max Verstappen, uh, just talking about him now, he said that uh, the, the Red Bull was, quote, a bit too slow to fight Mercedes. And I think that uh, that, that was obvious. Um, <laughs> he just uh, wasn't there. And I think it must have been uh, quite disheartening for Max, uh, knowing that uh, he really pushed hard through the entire race and then uh, just uh, was not able to to keep uh, Hamilton uh, close enough to, uh, you know, uh, to challenge him for the, for the lead, just knowing that he just didn't have the, he just, the car didn't have it. And then just uh, not being able to, to defend that uh, P2 after it was uh, all said and done. Anyways, uh, Max had to say, quote, I tried to I tried, but we are a bit too slow. I did what I could uh, when Valtteri, bought, uh, Valtteri passed me. I tried to make it a bit difficult uh, because he was going to get by one lap later. But at least it was a bit fun because the race was boring. The podium was good, but still, but still a lot of work to do, end quote. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really uh, all that of an exciting race compared to a, a week ago, what with all the cars and the safety cars uh, that, that really threw uh, a lot of uh, you know variables into the, uh, in, into the race itself and really mixed things up uh, nicely. So it, it was, uh, from that point of view, it was uh, disappointing, but still, I think that uh, it may have been uh, to be expected a, a little bit. Uh, you know, you get these guys, they've uh, got a lot of miles on this track now, and a lot of them figured out in the uh, the interceding week some of the issues that they had with the cars in the very first uh, race of the weekend, or sorry, the very first uh, race of the year, and uh, certainly they got it uh, turned around. So, uh, you know, we go to uh, Hungary next week, not really a great track for overtaking there really are only a, a couple of places that uh, that that you can really legitimately uh, pass people one is at the end of the start finish straight going into turn 1 and then maybe into turn 2 although you know ask uh, Danny Ricardo and Max Verstappen about that uh, they had a coming together there a couple of years ago so you know i mean the, the opportunities to, to pass there are limited and uh, you know it's it's difficult i mean unless you can really stick on the back of your uh, you know the, the the car in front of you going into those corners and uh, you have uh, you know you don't have too much of a, a distance to try and close and maybe you can take a a lunge but like i say there's really only a couple legitimate places uh, to uh, to pass so i mean uh, track position uh, you know especially uh, in qualifying where you line up on sunday is going to make a huge huge difference to where you may uh, you know eventually finish that race because uh, it's you know it's going to be difficult on the track and unless you can uh, you know pull out a bit of a miracle with the undercut or the overcut when it comes to the pit strategies uh, it could be a little bit uh, difficult anyways um, let's talk uh, I should have talked about this one a little bit uh, earlier uh, you know when we were talking about racing point but uh, Danny Ricardo said that uh, Lance Stroll should have returned uh, the, the position and uh, he, he was uh, he was obviously a little bit uh, uh, upset uh, at what he called a desperate move by Lance uh, and felt that 
that uh, afterwards that uh, you know Lance should have given back, or he should have been uh, penalized uh, for the, the the bit of the coming together that they had uh, during the race. So he'd been uh, defending uh, sixth place against uh, Stroll right at the very end of the race there, and uh, then uh, Lando Norris was uh, closing down on both of them. Anyways, on lap seventy, uh, Lawrence, uh, sorry, not Lawrence. That's the dad. Uh, Lance uh, dived uh, inside of turn three, uh, forcing uh, uh, both himself and uh, and and uh, Ricardo off the track into that sort of that paved uh, runoff area on the on, on the top side of the track there. Um, anyways, uh, it wasn't noted by the stewards, or it wasn't uh, it didn't come up for investigation. Uh, Ricardo uh, he felt uh, strongly enough that uh, Stroll should have been penalized uh, for that incident, uh, but uh, the, the the stewards obviously uh, didn't, and uh, they didn't take any action on it uh anyways uh, ricardo had to say quote firstly he really didn't get past he forced both of us off the track i'll always be critical of myself and i should have closed the door but i don't think he was ever making the move so i think it was desperate i think lando was coming i think he had to do something otherwise lando was going to eat him up i take the apex and we crashed so that was a frustrating end and we lost a position to lando uh, I think we will get uh, the one back on Stroll, but it doesn't. Uh, it is a bit of a shame to end the race like that. Yeah, I think it was a, a bit frustrating. Uh, I, I was uh, just in general, I was a bit uh, disappointed uh, with uh, with uh, with Renault, uh, you know, especially with uh, Alcon uh, you know, ending up, uh, you know, ha- having to retire as uh, as early as he did. I mean, they were looking uh, pretty decent there. Uh, looked like they were definitely on for a, a double points uh, finish uh, th- this weekend, and uh, it just uh, didn't turn out uh, that way. But I mean not maybe the what uh what what Danny Ricardo uh wanted um obviously but uh, certainly i think that uh, the uh it, it was a better result for him. I mean, last week he uh, retired uh, early, but uh, I mean, still coming back in, in, in P8 after being as high as P6, a, a bit, it's got to be a disappointment uh, for, for Ricardo. And then doubly so for Esteban Ocon, who uh, who retired, uh, what was it, about lap 20 or 25 with cooling issues. And uh, certainly they, they could have had a double points finish. And and, and again, uh, there's still too many little glitches and gremlins with with, uh, with Renault. I know uh, Surreal Abitabu said coming into the season even as recently a couple of uh, weeks ago that uh, they, they hadn't uh, really made a lot of uh, progress uh, you know forward and that uh, that this would be a super competitive car but I thought they looked uh, pretty decent uh, through the the, the, the first uh, Opening face of the, the 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 race there, going into the uh, into the first round of pit stops. I mean, maybe Alcon sat in front of uh, Ricardo for a little bit longer than necessary. I mean, uh, Ricardo was on the, uh, the 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 mediums compared to the softs for his teammate, uh, so obviously he was planning to go for the longer stint on those, and he did look uh, faster than him. And then you know, I guess he could have made the argument that he was uh, behind Science and that uh, you know that that Science was maybe slowing him down a little bit, but still that that gap slowly started to increase, and once it got to a couple of seconds is to me it seemed uh, pretty obvious that uh, that he didn't have the pace to uh, you know to 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 catch science and uh, maybe try and put a move on him but uh, Ricardo certainly seemed a little bit uh, faster than his teammate and when he got in front of him he was slowly able to catch up to uh, to science but by the time he got in front of his uh, his teammate I think uh, Ricardo was at about three three and a half seconds uh, to, to, to to science in front of him and he only really made up maybe a second in a second and a half on science. I mean, he got to, I think, about 1.5, maybe one point, sorry, just under two seconds uh, at, at its closest before the pit stops came up and everything like that. So it wasn't like he was that much uh, quicker, but still, I mean, it was a frustrating day, I think, for Renault, just on the point, uh, you know, for, for the, uh, the the facts that Ocon didn't finish the race. And then just the way that, uh, you know, uh, Ricardo uh, lost that, uh, you know, that, that, that P6 late uh, in, in the race. But I mean, still, I mean, if, uh, if you look at at the, um, the the guys that uh, that have had uh, the, the results uh, thus far, and uh, you look at how Lando really took uh, advantage of uh, you know that uh, that situation between uh, Stroll and Ricardo. I mean, you know, very good for him. I mean, to to come from where he was at that time and then get a get a P five. I'm really impressed with uh, with Lando Norris. I mean, I was last year. I thought he did uh, very very well in his first year in, in, in Formula One, but uh, this year, um, I'm really impressed what I've seen with him through the first. Uh, a couple of races of the year and uh, I was thinking today that uh, after the race that I can really see now and I really appreciate the the, the words that um 
that uh, Zach Brown had to say about uh, Lando Norris a couple of years ago. If you remember about of a third of a way into the season, maybe not quite that long, uh, you had uh, France Toss, the team principal at uh, what was then uh, Tara Russell, trying to approach McLaren, uh, you know, putting it out there that they wanted to uh, come to some sort of loan agreement uh, to get Lando in their car to replace, uh, what was his name, uh, Brendan Hartley for the remainder of 2018 and then the 2019 season. And, uh, and Zach flat out said, no, you know, we, we want him in this car as, uh, as soon as possible. And they, they, they managed to, obviously he didn't race in, uh, in formula one in the, in the balance of, uh, of 2018, but certainly Zach was true to his word, got Lando in the car for last year. And, uh, certainly, I mean, he's really, uh, showing, uh, what, what he's made off and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm really appreciating, uh, more and more what, uh, what Zach said at the time, because Lando, uh, obviously very talented young driver and, uh, and doing very well thus far in, uh, in this year and, you know, in the first couple of races of the season. So he's got a guy that I definitely have, uh, my eye on, uh, this season to see how he can uh, go. Anyways, his teammate, uh, Carlos Sainz, who will be on the way to Ferrari next year, says he he will need a little bit of help to get to McLaren another podium. And uh, he, I mean, did very well. Obviously, um, uh, uh, qualifying was a little bit uh, topsy-turvy because of the, uh, the the bizarre heavy weather and, uh, you know, heavy rain, the bad weather, of course. And, you know, the, after the, uh, you know, the qualifying was over, they actually uh, had to uh, red flag the Formula 2 session. Uh, I'd uh, recorded both of those on the PVR, sat down, watched qualifying, thought, hey, I'm going to watch uh, Formula 2. Got lots of time nowadays. So I started watching that, um, and that was delayed. Then they did several several laps uh, behind the, uh, the the safety car and then ultimately they went back into the pits and then they they, they red flagged it uh, because the weather was uh, so bad. So I mean uh, Science doing very well to uh, qualify third uh, yesterday and uh, sorry on Saturday and um, I just didn't uh, didn't have the pace especially after the the, the, the pit stops he wasn't uh, you know quite uh, good. Anyways Carlos had to say quote I'm obviously motivated about Sunday and uh, encouraged to see that this year we have a uh, with the car we have and the two races we we've done and the opportunities present themselves, we've been there to grab them. Probably because the car is a bit closer to where we want it to be, which is a bit closer to Mercedes, a bit closer to Red Bull, still far away from where we want to be, but definitely closer. And that allows you to be the first in line to grab opportunities. And I think also the team on the strategy side is a very strong team. We We are executing races and super tricky qualifying sessions like this one very well. So it is a combination of a lot of factors, the pace of the car, very good strategy, and the engineers in the garage taking good decisions and decent drivers, end quote. So there you go. Anyways, that is, uh, well, I think that's about it uh, for the, the show tonight. That's, uh, you know, lots uh, to talk about, obviously, and there's going to be a lot more coming down over the next uh, several days. And of course, we've got another race to look forward to next weekend at the Hungarian Grand Prix. And until then, thank you very much for downloading and listening to the show. As always, if you want to get in touch, please do so on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or via email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, the easiest way and uh, the, the preferred way is just to hop onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and enjoy your podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review because it uh, certainly does help. Anyways, that's it. That's a wrap. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Have a great week. We'll be back in a couple of days to start talking about the Hungarian Grand Prix and all the latest Formula One news. And until then, have a great week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.